Ethos. If you're struggling with feeling blah or just tired of being tired, I think my guest today will be some encouragement to you. This is the Next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith. Martinez Evans is a coach. You help people where they're at, regardless of their fitness level, to be active without the pressure of a strict diet or weight loss. So what is it? What do you say to people to help get them moving wherever they're at? Well, first thing I say is, hey, let's get going. And then the second <laughs> Fair thing enough. Is, and the second thing is really getting them to understand that they can do anything that they want. It's possible, right? It may not look like what they may have seen on traditional media or on commercials or in Olympics or whatever they may seen, but it can be done. It may look differently, but it still can be done. When I tell people that I run marathons, the first thing they say to me, because I'm like a skinny dude, that's my nature, 160 pounds. <laughs> and they say, well, I could never do that. Well, you're a big dude. You're 300 pounds. And I can say that because that's your Instagram handle, 300 pounds and running. Exactly. And you also run marathons. So it's not about a particular size. Exactly. Right. You know, it's really about putting in the work. It really goes back to that notion of it can be done. It's going to look differently. Am I out there winning races? No, I'm in the back. I'm having fun. I'm running the way I want to run. I'm meeting interesting people. And there's tons of other people out there who are just like me, who are out there doing the thing that they love and enjoy. And if that means running marathons and running races, they do it. That's right. And I learned about you because you were on the cover of Runner's World magazine and you're not the stereotypical running model, but there you are. And in the magazine, you told your story that about 10 years ago, you weighed about 400 pounds and went to the doctor and you tell the story from there. What, what did the doctor say to you? So let's even take it back a little bit further. Okay. So I was working at Men's Warehouse at the time, working commission sales. I was slinging suits, man. I was a suit salesman and I was on my feet all the time. They have basically a commission, like you make your salary based off commission. So you're usually there 10 hour days, if not longer, because if you're not there, you feel like you're missing out because you're not making money. So I'm there. I'm on my feet all the time. I'm not necessarily eating the best. And I walked into Man's Warehouse and felt this sharp pain in my hip. It was so bad that I really couldn't put no weight on my hip. So one doctor led to another, which led to this doctor who told me that I was fat. So I was there. He's looking at me. He's like, Mr. Evans, I know what's wrong. I'm like, well, you know, I played football and high school and college. Like maybe I need a hip replacement because of all the damage throughout football. And he was like, no you're fat. So I'm like, what? He's like, you're fat. You got two options, lose weight or die. You got a stomach as a pregnant woman. You got men breasts. Like you should be disgusted with yourself, like all these other things. And I sarcastically or like joke, cause I'm trying to break the tension because a, you're just not going to talk to me in any type of way. And B the way he just came at was out of pocket. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I'm gonna run a marathon. And he <laughs>, laughs like the biggest laughs that I've ever seen somebody laugh at me and not telling a joke. And he was like, you run a marathon. Like that's impossible. Like you will definitely die if you try to run a marathon. And we continue to have this argument. Eventually I just storms out of the doctor's office. I get in my car and I'm ruminating on the experiences that we just had. And as I was driving, I drove past this running shoe store. So I made a U-turn and I went in the running shoe store and I said, I need running shoes. I need them now. You're a man of action. <laughs> you yes. said it, you meant it. Had Absolutely. you ever thought of running a marathon before that moment? No, <laughs> Absolutely not. 
but you backed it up. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Did you go back and show the medal to the doctor? No, absolutely not. I, I go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm yeah. tolerated. Ooh, I like that. That's great. But you didn't stop there. It wasn't one and done. You kept going. Absolutely. So I've ran over eight different marathons, hundred other like different distances, halves, five Ks, 10 Ks, things of that sort. And one year I ran like four marathons in a year. So it was an interesting feat. Okay. And so you went from working at the men's warehouse and now you're a professional run coach. What was the inspiration there? The motivation to become a run coach? The inspiration came from all of the hardships that I had to learn the hard way while running. Like, of course, I have runner friends, but, you know, they're the in the traditional sense, skinny and never really had to go through anything hard when it came to like physical activity. And me, I'm over 300 plus pounds. Like I said, in the interview, every scale that I came in contact with stopped working for me. Like it stopped working at 350 pounds. So like, I didn't know, like I knew I was more than 350, but less than 400. So I'm like somewhere in there, I'm just guesstimating. Right. And like, I'm going through these things that I'm just looking at myself. Like, is it me? Like, am I the crazy one? For example, going into a box store and like trying to find workout clothes to fit you. And the people like, oh, no, like XL will work for you or double XL. It's like, no, I'm a big guy. I'm a three X, four X type of guy. And going there and like, they are, I want to say minimizing you, right? Diminishing. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or you you are running and working out and somebody hunks their horn and say, woo, go big man. And it's like getting heckled or running a race where you in the back of the pack and you've gotten lost because they took up the signs too early or they ran out of water or all these other things that I've experienced. That was what made me become a run coach because I wanted to be able to impart this information. So hopefully they won't go through that. What Jay-Z say, Jay did this. So hopefully you don't have to go through that. Like Martinez mm-hmm. went through all of this struggle for the past 10 years. So hopefully the next big guy or girl won't have to go through the same things that I went through. That's powerful. And yeah, health isn't about a size. It's about having the energy and the mobility to carry on your life and to do the things you want to do. And I do think we put people in certain categories and boxes and make assumptions about people and you're blowing those people away, which is incredible. Absolutely. Every time I go to a starting line or a race, somebody's passing judgment like, oh, is this your first race? It's like, no, you really need to Google me. Or like, you know, I'm at a, a marathon. It's like, oh, this is your first marathon? Like, you'll be okay. And it's like, no, actually, I've already ran eight of them. I realize not everybody has motivation, wants to run a marathon, but we know that we're in a sedentary society. Most of us sit at a computer all day or at home and not on our feet a lot, or maybe we are, but we're not moving around to the extent that we're getting the exercise necessary. And the science is pretty clear that sitting for extended periods of time is associated with all sorts of health issues, heart disease, diabetes, even cancer. And so for people not looking to run a marathon, what is your sort of advice? How do you motivate them? What sorts of goals do you set for somebody that just wants to be healthy? Small habits over time, time plus consistency equals success. So it's really about getting out there. So what is that thing, right? If it's not running, can you walk? Can you walk a block? Let's start there. Like putting your clothes on, getting your shoes on and like getting outside and just walk. It don't have to be for long, five, 10 minutes just to start off with and then come back and then try to go for a minute longer the next time out. 
and then a minute longer after that and so on and so forth. So that's the notion of when people see physical fitness and things of that sort, they think that they have to just go jump right into the deep end and you don't need to. Not when you're first starting out, like you can just have success with smaller actions because that stuff still counts. Yeah, that is important to remember that you kind of have to start where you're at, not where necessarily the people of Runner's World magazine are at. And so we hear this number 10,000 steps should be the daily goal. Somebody just starting out, what's a good goal? Walk around the block once. Okay. Like, let's start there, right? Let's get a, a good win. If you like me are in this weird space where it's winter one day and then it's 40 degrees the other day, like. A win can just be putting on your clothes, putting on your winter gear, your shoes, and just walk around the block once. And then after you walk around that block once, if you're still feeling good, do it another time. But if not, like you already did it once, you've already meet and exceeded your goal for that day. Everybody has a day zero. Like I had a day zero, right? When I started running 10 years ago, I could only run for 15 seconds. And yes, from 15 seconds to 10 years and now, on the cover of Runner's World, running marathons. But there was a lot of stuff that happened in there. So being able to celebrate the the smallest of the smallest wins and knowing that it's really about consistency over time. You got to be consistent and persistent. How do you celebrate a win when you achieve a goal? Oh, man, for me, after every race, I get a slice of carrot cake. Oh, nice. Carrot cake is my jam. For me, it's a thing of like it's being the healthiest cake out there. Usually after that is usually I like a good, nice cut of steak. And then the next thing I may do is sign up for another race. I'm currently writing a book. So I'm actually thinking about like what exactly I'm going to do once I turn the book into the publisher. Something big needs to happen because I've spent 18 months of my life writing this thing. And I see from your Instagram, you're not just running, but weight training as well. What does that look like? Oh, man. So it's winter time. This is usually the time where running tapers down right, and right. weight training tapers up. So usually I'm doing two to three days of lifting heavy weights and focusing on my posterior chain. So glutes, hamstrings, calves, doing compound movements. So a lot of squats, a lot of deadlifts, a lot of the things that's going to help me be protective to my joints as I start to pick up for the running season. Okay. I noticed when I just started in the past year going to CrossFit myself, and I was very intimidated. On the other end of the spectrum, you don't see scrawny guys usually at the gym lifting the big weights. It's very intimidating for us, but I felt welcome in our CrossFit community. And what I learned was there's a stereotype there. CrossFitters, weight trainers, they don't like running. <laughs> they're, exactly. they're they don't. Running. And so, you know, <laughs> defying that stereotype, it's like you can do both. Yes, you can do both. And obviously being able to lift weights, being stronger makes you a better runner. Absolutely. It makes you a better runner, but it's also protective for all your joints. Running is a very repetitive motion. So you want to be able to prevent some of the breakdown that may happen during this repetitive motion. And this is where physical and weight training comes into play because you're actually in a controlled environment where you're able to add on different load or weight onto your body to do this in order to specifically train certain muscles and strengthen certain muscles. Whereas in running, even though you're in a up and down straight movement, there are so many angles that your foot can hit the ground 
whether you're running uphill or whether there's a rock under you or the sidewalk is cambered, that's where like all of the chaos happens. At. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard medical advice that says running's bad for you because the impact on your knees and joints. Have you heard this? And what's your response to that? I have heard that. And as a person who has a degree in exercise physiology, what I usually tell people is that it's not the running that's bad for you. It's all of the muscle imbalances that you have in your body that's causing all of the pain. Because if research says that high impact exercise is known to strengthen your muscles and tendons and ligaments and running is a high impact exercise. So that then should then help increase those things, correct? That's right. You obviously have to train. You don't just run a marathon without training for it. (laughs) That's the first thing they'll tell you. That's a way to get injured real quick. Yes. And I think one of the other things is that people really don't take ownership of the notion that they are athlete Mm -hmm. when it comes to running. They think, oh, I'm just running a few miles, whatever, whatever. But you really have to like take ownership to know that, all right, I'm going to do this exercise, but I also need some complementary stuff as well in order for me to do this exercise better. And that's where weight training comes into play. That's where like heel workouts or speed play may come into play as well, because you want to be able to do different things within that mechanism in order to be able to run better. This really is mindset and your identity is important. How you see yourself. If you just see yourself as a fat guy, you're going to act a certain way. You see yourself as an athlete. It's a totally different mindset. Exactly. How has that impacted your mental health? Every good thing I have in my life has came from running. So same thing with mental health, just being able to leave everything out on the road, right? Like there's been times where I've had breakdowns on the road, just straight boohooing like a baby. But being able to process those things throughout that journey, right? And one of the things I usually tell the people that I'm coaching is, yes, definitely go seek a therapy because during this process of running, there is going to be a lot of feelings, emotions that may come up because your body and your mind is goes on autopilot that may start to come up. And you didn't think you needed to process that. But while you're on the road, your body and your mind is starting to process that. So I think that's where finding a therapist or just, you know, getting some type of mindset coach to help you process through that is definitely a good approach as well. That's powerful. And I would agree. So run therapy. I hadn't thought of it like that. Obviously being out in nature and just with your thoughts, a lot of stuff can come up for you. Do you listen to anything when you're running or when you're training? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It just really depends on the nature of the run, for example. So if it's like a 20 miler or 18 miler, like a course, I'm going to need some type of music because that's usually a four to five hour run. Like I just can't be out there for that long and not have like some type of entertainment. But if it's like a shorter run, I usually can go without, especially if I'm like training with other individuals because the entertainment comes from the fun or just the engagement happening while I'm out there. So for example, I'm training with Adidas Runners of New York and during Boston, marathon training season, we'll go to Prospect Park and run hills. So there'd be about 30 or 40 of us just running up and down the biggest hill in Prospect Park. And of course, you think like, yeah, you need some music, but not really because you're usually cheering on other people. People are cheering you on. Just a lot of fun things is just happening while you're in it with a group of people that you don't necessarily need music to entertain you. However, 
like I said, if it's a 18, 13 mile run and I'm out there for three hours, yes, I'm going to need something. Right. It don't matter who's out there. <laughs> on that note about encouraging one another on, I will never forget, and this really showed me the power of encouragement, the importance of coaches and people that will support you and celebrate you, as you said. My very first marathon, Chicago, thousands of people lined the streets for the whole 26 miles and they're holding up signs and a lot of them are really funny and they've got clever sayings and things on them and people are cheering you on. And if your name is on your bib, in many cases that they put your name on the run bib, people will shout your name and you know, they're strangers. You don't know these people, but they're saying your name and how that just gives you energy and motivation and you don't know how you'd make it another mile, but for those perfect strangers cheering you on. Can you talk about that, your experience with being encouraged along oh, man, these races? It's amazing. You know, just even talking about that, right, of being in the race. And this is why I've done so many races, mm-hmm. because that feeling of going through this journey with hundreds, even thousands of other people, knowing that we're starting here and all of us are trying to get to the same finish line. And all the things that may happen during that. So like, yes, people cheering you on, people giving you high fives, people giving you candy. You know, I've been at races where people have gave me like shots of tequila and it's like, okay, like, yeah, like this is what I need. Right now. <laughs> now, individual results may vary. I'm not sure I would take the tequila in the middle of a race, but yeah, I gotcha. That's you know, awesome. It's one of the things of like, sometimes you just don't know what you need until somebody's like, hey, would you like some gummy bears? And you be like, I didn't think I need gummy bears right now, but I'm going to take it. Or for example, I ran Boston Marathon this year and somebody had like these little pocket size of like Coca-Cola and I'm in a pain cave. I'm hurting. I'm gritting. I'm going up on like one of the tallest hills in the Boston Marathon race. And somebody was like, hey, like you you want a, a Coke? And like she gave it to me. And at first I was like, nah. And then I'm like, carbs. Yeah, sugar and caffeine. I'll take that. Yeah, give me that right now. The trifecta right there. Yes. <laughs> Get out of the pain cave. That's incredible. Well, we help each other out. And so that's a really important reminder. So tell me about how you do fuel up for a race. What does that look like? It's usually a three to four day experience, depending on which way to run. So if, like, for example, say I'm running like a half marathon or a full marathon. Usually... I'll start the carb load throughout the week because the thing is that research has said that carb loading like the day of your body can only process a certain amount of carbs a day throughout the week. That's where like the carb intake started to come into place, water intake, as well as like drinking hydration solutions. So my, my salt levels are up and things of that sort. And then usually the night before is usually some type of rice or noodle dish. I'm a big Thai food fan, so it's usually like a Thai fried rice with tofu or something like that. Or sometimes I even do vegan or a vegetarian type of dish as well with a broth. The day of the race, I'm usually oatmeal and a banana. And then I'm usually sipping on some type of hydration mixture until the race starts. Okay. I think that's really important to think through, not just your fuel sources, and that's great several days in advance, but it's your mindset. It's all of the steps that you go through, the stretching and the exercises, the gear. And you mentioned they don't make race shirts in your size. So you've started your own athletic wear. Tell us about that. I love the logo. Funny story. Somebody called me slow AF before like (laughs) on a course. And I remember being How'd you feel about that? At that point, I was like, you're right. 
Okay. I'm so tired in the middle of the race. Like I don't, even, I don't have nothing to say. You right? Embraced it. I am. I'm slow. And from that point on, I was like, you know what? Like, what would it mean if I put this on a shirt and just wore it proudly? Take a negative experience and turn it into something positive. So I started putting on my shirt. I found a manufacturer and printed some shirts and I was just wearing them for myself. And then other people got a kick out of it and they wanted some as well. So I started selling them. And the first day that I started selling them, I ended up selling like 500 shirts in a day, which was an amazing feat because I was like, nobody going to wear this thing. But a lot of people did. And then that also turned that into like a running club. So after these people get these shirts, there's like, hey, is there like a Facebook group? Like, I want to be amongst the other people who are wearing these shirts proudly. And that's where the Slow F Run Club came about because it was like, okay, I have these shirts. People are wearing these shirts, but they also want to have that community aspect as well to participate and be amongst like-minded individuals who are also in the back of the pack and are going through their own journeys as well. The Slow AF Run Club and that's your website, slowafrunclub.com. I'm buying one of those shirts. Well, you do make them in my size, right? You don't discriminate in the Absolutely. other direction, right? <laughs> okay, great. Because I'm slow for runners. I'm in the back of the pack too, and I'm feeling good. But I want to maybe challenge you because when somebody called you out as being slow AF and you said you missed the mark, you didn't miss any mark. You're going for it. There's so many people that don't get off the couch. You're off and you're going for it at your own pace. And that's to be celebrated, which you're doing, obviously, and embracing the fact that we're all going at our own speed. And that's okay. The important thing is you find your community and you get going. And this is the Next Simple Step podcast. And so I think a next simple step for anyone might be you got to find your tribe and your tribe might not be marathon runners, but it might just be the mall walkers in your town, right? There are people that just walk through the mall, particularly if you're in a climate where it's snowing and below zero right now. It's just all about finding your crew and joining a community and then setting achievable goals. I'm going to buy the shirt. I'd encourage anyone listening to do that as well. Check you out on Instagram and you were 300 pounds and running on Insta. What are you training for now? What's next for you? Man, I have a few races on my schedule already. I'm doing New York City Half, which is March 20th. I recently just got asked if I wanted to run Boston Marathon again. I said yes, even though I may not actually do it. Uh, <laughs> and then Berlin Marathon. And then a week later is Chicago Marathon. So I'm going to do two marathons back to back. And then, of course, I'm going to add a few other like shorter distances in there, some 5Ks or some half marathons, because usually what I do is like use the shorter distances as an excuse to a training run for the larger races. How do you keep your motivation? So if you just mentioned how brutal Boston was for you, so how do you find the motivation to keep going after something like that? Here's my take on motivation. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Motivation is a fleeting feeling. Motivation is something that's in the moment. It comes and it goes. And with that being said, is that once you have that motivation to do something, act on it. So usually after I finish a race, if I don't immediately act on it or have other races lined up, yeah, I will fall into a slump. We call it like post-race blues. So usually what I do throughout the year, every quarter is think about tacking on these races on my calendar. So I know that I always have something to look forward to. 
So like, that's the thing It's always to have something to look forward to. Cause that way it's not necessarily relying on something that's in the moment or a fleeting feeling with motivation. It's more of like, well, this is my duty because these are the races that I have. These are the races I've already paid for. I've already paid for flights and things of that sort. So I have an obligation to myself to actually see myself through it. That's powerful. Put it on the calendar. What gets scheduled gets done. You pay your dues and you're accountable to it. You tell other people. And also wouldn't be a bad idea to hire somebody like you as well. A, a run coach to help you along the way, right? Exactly. Or just finding a community you like slowly enough that are able to celebrate you along the way. It's like, great job. We're in this together. And the other thing that may even be useful is that we usually hold virtual challenges inside the Slow Run Club. So we will do something where it's like, all right, for the next three months, pledge to either run like 100 miles, 250 miles or 500 miles for the next three months. And then like you do it and then we usually give you like a medal or something like that. Oh, that's cool. I know people like to poke fun at the participation medals that kids get, but there's something powerful about celebrating effort just wherever you're at. And that's really powerful. Exactly. Well, Martinez, thank you so much. This has been inspiring to me and I'm sure everyone listening right now. And I'd encourage them to go and join your slow AF run club, join me and we'll get the t-shirt. And this is incredible. So we'll follow along with your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And if you're ready to take the next simple step, maybe it's health related at work or a personal goal of yours, it helps to have accountability and support along the way. And I'd be honored to be that support. You can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Paul J. Goldsmith or send me a text to 559-574-3210. I'll talk to you next time on the Next Simple Step podcast.